Welcome to Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber, the podcast where we talk about all the shit that your horse wants you to know and what you can do about it. Amber is a horse trainer and a personal results coach, certified in Theta and Semitic Breathwork. Shaylee is an animal communicator who also teaches communication. Both knowledge seekers with the intention of sharing that knowledge and hoping that we can encourage the listeners to do the same. Welcome. Today we are talking with Rochelle Stanley, medical intuitive friend and soul family. And we go all over the place today. This is, like we always say, one of our favorite episodes, but truly, from boundaries, belief systems to protecting your energy and tapping into figuring out which is your strongest psychic sense, it's all in here, plus more. So, Please enjoy, and as always, if you like it, share it, and let's get going. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. We are super, super, super excited to have Rochelle Stanley on today. Um, I feel like I actually need to introduce her as the infamous Rochelle, because we talk about you, Rochelle, so much on our podcast. Like We're always referring, at first it started out as... Amber's Theta teacher. And then I got addicted to doing sessions. And of course, I'm in your class now. And so now it's like our Theta teacher. And I feel like people know you on a first name basis. So we're like, super excited to finally have you on the podcast and like our listeners get to like, meet you. So thanks for joining us. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited. Definitely. So for anyone who might not know who you are or know what you do, can you just explain a little bit about like, not only what you do, but like your journey a little bit and, and where you are? All right, perfect. Well, my journey, I think life is full of journeys. That's what we're doing the whole time that we're here on this planet is picking up where we left off last time and adding to that journey. And Along the journey, um, I was called to be a healer. I didn't want to. I totally resisted. (laughs) You know, I don't know if any of you ever do this, but when you get those whispers about what you're supposed to do, and then you start arguing with God or the universe that you're not going to do that. (laughs) Well, that's when you hear God laughing at you because you are going to do that and you're actually going to like it. You just don't know it yet. So when I finally said yes to being an energy healer, I couldn't get enough. I was so addicted. I couldn't learn enough, study enough, help people enough with the work that I do. One of the modalities that really intrigued me was Theta Healing, and I ended up getting my master's and certificate of science in that modality, and I'm really grateful. I don't practice straight up Theta Healing anymore. The reason why I was drawn to study modality is because as I was hearing, I was a healer and it was time to get to work. I didn't think that people, like I could set up an office and people would come see me if I just say, I just do what God tells me to do. (laughs) Most people I felt like wouldn't, they they would be like, what does that mean? So saying Theta Healing kind of gave me the, the tools to explain to people what I do. And so Basically, now at this point, I call myself a medical intuitive. That's what my work has evolved into. And the medical intuitive component has so much to do with our emotional state, our, our basically our childhood foundation and what we've been building on the emotions of our inner child. And so that's a big body of my work. And that's another thing I told God I wouldn't do. <laughs> when I started studying healing and how to help people, I was all about, oh, you've got a broken ankle. Let's sit down and work with that and heal that. Oh, your your heart, your lungs. Let's just physically work on that, like energetically bring about the physical healing. But I will not do the emotional stuff. And that's all that came to me was the emotional stuff causing the physical issue. So my emotional spectrum became more vast because I started to dive into the emotional work of physical challenges in people's lives. Yeah, that's a summary. <laughs> that's so awesome. And I think I can completely relate to that. And I cursed Amber for like the first couple of months of us like working together because I was like, I am in tune with the physical body. I tell people what's going on with their horse or their dog. They go to the vet and they get it fixed. And then they come back to me with another issue. I don't want to do any of this emotional stuff. And now I'm like, 
so grateful that she introduced me to your work and like your classes and stuff, because one figuring out like doing sessions with you and learning firsthand, like how shifting an emotion can shift so much in your body, but really having that deep understanding that like our emotions really are the vibrational frequency that's at the root of like every dis-ease or every illness. And I've been able to take like what I've learned from you and Amber and, um, and really like change my animal communication sessions to like seeing the parallels and people and their horses and, and the deeper emotions. And it's, it's so cool. I'm curious with your work. I, I don't think I've ever really asked you this, but how does past life stuff play into the theta healing and the medical intuitive? Like, do you find that people bring a lot of past life energy or is it mostly like working with the inner child and like parental trauma? It's interesting. I don't think it's mostly anything because each situation is so unique. Sometimes it will just show up like, oh my gosh, this is the the past life. Yesterday I worked with someone where it was actually the mother had passed down all the stuff to the daughter, just kind of like dumped it when she passed away. And so we were actually doing healing through the ancestor to heal this current life of the daughter. So it could be this life. I work a lot with this life, what happened in childhood. And sometimes it's difficult for people to imagine that it goes back that far because they're seeing me with something current and fresh that's upsetting. This relationship, this job, something with money. But the root is almost always in childhood. Um, past lives, I'll get the hit. You know, creator will give me the hit like, oh, check out this past life or check out this on the history level. So it does happen, but I would, I try to stay mostly in this life because sometimes people will use past life as an avoidance mechanism. Like it's much easier to go and go, oh, well, this was me in a past life, but I want to be the bullseye with emotion. I want to like go right through the center of the bullseye. So if I can hit the emotion in this life, I think I usually unlock more for a person. But that doesn't mean that past life doesn't play a role. Definitely. <clears throat> That's so interesting. And I'm also curious too, like speaking of inner child, um, because I am not a mom in this life. Um, and I don't want to be, but I'm always so curious. I, I ask Amber and like other moms, like, what is it like raising children and like uh the mindfulness that you bring to the table, like having this gift and, and your experiences, like, how does that play into raising your children? <laughs> My poor kids. <laughs> they are so aware. They've been so aware from a very early age, right? I taught them a lot of tools. Let's go to the light. I know, Amber, you do this all the time with your kids. Let's go to the light. And, you know, we do belief work for their healings and they get stuck and I'd say, well, what if you did know the answer? And they'd be like, that infuriates me. <laughs> and then my oldest is almost 19. And about a year ago, she said she had some friendship relationship stuff that she decided wasn't healthy for her. And she let it go and went without friends for a few years, which is such a mature choice at that age. Could you imagine just going, you know what? You're unhealthy for me and choosing to be with herself instead of people that don't treat her well. And she goes, I was so fixated on what am I learning from this? What am I learning from this? And how many teenagers actually go that path of like the situation happened in my life? What have I learned from it? So raising kids to be aware and conscious. Um, I mean, raising kids, period, it's a job, but raising them to be aware and conscious, I think, is going to help them have a healthier emotional approach in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I will definitely say that I've always asked Rochelle to work with my teenager because I'm like, you know what? You didn't have a session with Rochelle. And so now he it's funny because I think he hears me say stuff like when I'm doing calls or like whatever. So he picks up little things, but I hear the conversations he has around trying to make decisions about um relationships or friendships that he's having. And it's so interesting because he's so emotionally intelligent. And the things that he says are not things that teenagers say. And so it's interesting, though, because then he has to navigate a world full of other teenagers that are completely like, <laughs> so it's like, 
partially an advantage, but then partially it's, it makes things more challenging for them. But I think at the end of the day, it's obviously it's better for them because in the long run, like the girls you're trying to date, you know, and he's like, well, she's just not like really, you know, present or she's just not emotionally available. And I'm like, <laughs> well, well, <laughs> it's going to be slim pickings for you. So if that's what you're looking for, you might be waiting for a little bit. Um, but I will say working with Rochelle in the very beginning of my healing journey was interestingly enough, what opened me up to understanding how the horses, like, I think you might've been the first person actually, and you're not a horse person to spark the idea that possibly the horses were here for something different. Cause I didn't think that I ever had that even like idea at all. And it was after I had done a couple of trainings with you, definitely sessions. And I never had understood even healing until I think Jen Jordan was the one that was like, oh, you need to go, you need to go talk to Rochelle. And I was like, okay, I had no idea what I was getting into, but it was so powerful. But then we had you come here and we had both of our horses here and we were just like, we don't know, like, let's just play around and see what happens. And you had said, I think I had Smarty out there and you were like, he's very clear that he is not here for you to show. And I have said this, I don't even know if on our recent podcast, but definitely on my last one, you said that. And I was like, that's ridiculous because I bought him his for his breeding. I've spent so much time and money putting onto showing him doing all these things. I was like, he's definitely here for me to show. This is what I've wanted my whole life. <laughs> and you were like, no. And I was like, I don't, whatever. <laughs> Blew it off until he went lame. And I had to go down this whole nother path of understanding things. Um, but it was so interesting because that was literally one of those moments where I was like, hold on. Remember when Michelle said that thing? <laughs> when I was speaking to Jen. <laughs> so I love that, like, even though we talk about relationship and soul contracts and like connections with other humans, it's no different when it's an animal form. And so I don't know. Do you, I know that recently because you've helped me with um, several different of my animal instances. We had a session that you have in one of your courses where we tapped into Rocco and um, the connection of bacteria and guilt and just these different interesting things that I don't think people would ha have ever even made the connection for. And at, even at that level, I was like, I see, I think you explained it as static. And that usually is bacteria. And I, And this was before I knew he had tetanus. It was actually the morning after that call, I took him to the vet. Can you explain a little bit about what that process looks like for you when you're tapping in and connecting with animals and getting these reads or tapping into people's bodies, since that is actually what you do? Like, what is that like for you? It's instant feedback. And I think that that happens with a lot of intuitives. It's instant feedback with your strongest psychic sense. So I'm a seer and I'm a knower. And so it's instant, like, and I think learning to trust that is what helps people become so much better at medical intuitiveness or energy work is trusting that first thing that gets reflected back to you. So the image was sent to me of static for Rocco. And I know the connection. I know what a lot of bacteria looks like in a human body or an animal body. It looks like static to me. And I think most people, when they see it, it looks like static. So that's what I go with is the first thing when I'm looking at an animal, it will, the part of the body that needs to be seen and same with human will show up kind of like a, um, like it'll zoom in towards me and become the main focus of what I meant to read. And because I understand what emotions go with what body system, it puts me right where I need to be. So right now there's a horse showing me its heart and I'm not worried for the horse. And I don't know if it's you or Shaylee, but it's bringing its heart forward and it's a beautiful heart. There's a lot of gratitude and this horse gives a lot of love. It feels like a male horse. The horse is strong and the horse is a healer. Maybe it's flirt. Maybe that's who's here with us because he, he likes this work. But anyways, that's what happens is he sends his heart energy forward and the organ of a heart forward. And I'll listen to how the blood's flowing. I'll look to make sure there's no blockages. 
I'll look at the blood, how it's flowing through the body, and I'll also start to pick up emotions that could be causing complications. This is because I think I set it up with God that when I'm working with someone, person or animal, I always want to see what's good, but I also want to know what's going on. And so the body will show up light with different various colors of, of light, sometimes darker gray or black. And that's where I go to the part that's not in harmony. And I start to have a conversation with that part of the body to see why it's there because everything's teaching us. So no matter how sick someone is, there's always a positive in it. And I know that's hard because I work with a lot of people with chronic illness and I would never want anyone to go, hey, she's blaming me or it's my fault that I'm sick. That's not what I mean when I say that. I just mean there's an emotional connection that we want to get to to clear the emotional channel to help clear some of the physical condition, right? And something that was like really big for me in starting to work with you is um, two things, I guess. So as I started taking your course, you were like, yes, we're doing healing, but I don't really like to call it healing. I like to call it a shift because everyone has free will. And it's so interesting to be in that space of intuitively knowing, getting that instant feedback, knowing what has to shift in the person, but also remembering that you can't just go in there and move things around with their consent, without their consent. And that was like such a big frustration for me when I started doing this work is I'm like, oh my gosh, I see it now. I see the big picture. I see the emotion. This is all they need to do. And there's so much resistance. And Amber was like, yep, that's the power of free will. Like that's, that's why this work is so cool because like, Yes, you are healing, but you're not just, but you, the person or the animal has to be a hundred percent into it. And I think that's so interesting because I worked with a horse the other day that has been having issues after issues after issues. And the person has done so much. And the first thing he said to me was, well, no one ever asked me if I want to heal and I don't want to. So that's why I'm presenting like all these issues. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm curious, like what, how was that for you when you first started out? Like, how did you navigate, like knowing people have free will? Um, Cause I find myself butting up against like, oh, if I could just fix it for you, you know, but it's, but you can't do that. Yeah. And so I have to say that it was really, really hard for me in the beginning because you can see so much and you can see the clear pathway of how to get them to where they're saying consciously they want to be, but subconsciously there's resistance. So that was very frustrating, actually, for a few years um, to not just fix it for them. <laughs> it's like, come on, all you have to do is da, 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 and then you're done, you know, but it's just simple for the person not sitting in the pants of the other person, right? So being patient is the best thing we can do and give them the breadcrumbs to get them there so that they can have those aha moments on their own. My mom was the best teacher of that because my, I could hear my mom's language when she talked. I could hear the the hero stuff, the victim stuff, the blaming stuff and health stuff. And I'm like, just do blah, blah, blah. Let me help you. Let me help you. Let me help you. And my business started to get very, very busy. And I was a single mom. So, and running my own business. And I just got too busy and realized that all the energy I was putting into people like my mom who weren't ready to receive what I had to offer was wasteful on my part. And so why would you share your gift with deaf ears, right? Take your gift where it's received the most. So that that was also a really beautiful lesson. I could let my mom out of that obligation of me being the one to help her and fix her and let myself out of that obligation and put my focus where it helped the best. So if people are super resistant to my work. They usually don't find me. <laughs> usually I get people that are like, here I am, go ahead, even if they don't know me, because that's what I want. Like, I want to help you. I don't want to have to teach you through resistance. But in the meantime, if that's happening, there's a lesson in it for you as well. Like, it's okay. Let's, this is just where they need to be, right? And they'll get there eventually or they won't, but that's not my responsibility, right? 
that's been a big piece for me, as you ladies know, with my mom and uncoding all of that stuff and not being responsible. I have like a little um, dry erase board that I write on like every day since like my several sessions with Rochelle. And it's like, it's safe to feel joy. You're not responsible for like other people's feelings. I know how to have conversations without, you know, feeling responsible for the other side. And it's so funny how we do have these belief systems that like shape our lives. And for, for someone who is listening and is like, I have no idea what these ladies are talking about. Like, this is like kind of crazy. Is there like a simple way to explain how our emotions affect our body and like what belief systems are and like how they, how they shape our experience? Well, let's break that down. (laughs) This is the world according to Rochelle, right? So I think that most of the time we come into the womb space, just complete love. That's all we are is we're just complete love. We're a blank, clean, beautiful slate ready to receive love. At time of conception though, dad's genetics, mom's genetics and beliefs that they carry do start to imprint on the baby. And also their environment, what's happening outside the womb space is starting to imprint. Once you're born, you're ready to receive love and you're ready to give love. I mean, how many babies have you met where you're just like, oh my gosh, like, even if you're not a baby person, they're brand new, they smell so amazing and they just bring so much love. They think, we think we're here to just receive love, like what we're used to when we're not here on this planet. We're, like I said, this clean slate. We don't have a lot of beliefs. And then we begin to form ideas around love by the way our parents and authorities are like treat us, right? So if you're getting picked up and you're hugs and you're kissed and you're explained to and, you know, you're celebrated and you're respected, you develop receptor sites for those types of feelings and emotions. And then those receptor sites crave more of that and you'll attract more of that in your life. But if your environment, if the parents are busy and you feel neglected, or if you're abused, you develop receptor sites for neglect and abuse. But those receptor sites are conditioned that that is a form of love. And so then we grow up with the receptor sites that crave abuse or neglect because that's how the infant and, you know, zero to seven-year-old received what they thought was love because they're going to convert whatever attention they're getting into love because they're here to be loved. So if your parents, you have abandonment stuff, if you have rejection stuff, that develops on a cellular level before you're seven. I mean, I can't say 100% of the time, but 99.9% of the time, these I'm not worthy, I'm invisible, people don't see me, people don't hear me, I feel abandoned, I feel rejected. All that stuff is set into your space, in your receptor sites. Then because we have a magnetic field and our nervous system is sending out signals about how we feel about ourselves, other people's nervous systems are receiving that message of how we feel about ourselves and then they treat us how we believe we are in the world. The coolest part of this is that we're learning through all these experiences we're having in life. So if you struggle with lots of rejection, you just feel it from a parent, from your partner, from colleagues, however it is, you're learning about acceptance, self-accepting, how to have others feel accepted, how to love yourself, respect yourself, not need validation from other people. Your soul is growing through all these experiences. Through the work I do, the idea is to let the rejection component go free. You don't need it as a teacher anymore because your soul's already learned how to accept others, how to help others feel accepted, how to accept yourself. Just like when you learn to tie your shoes, you're never gonna forget that. You learn to do math some math you're going to forget because you never use it but you're never going to forget you know how to add and subtract so that's the idea of this work is like figuring out figuring out the core wounds that you had when you were a kid which are playing out now in your life in such a frustration like frustrating way and then going back in time to see what authority figure that engagement first happened with and unwinding it and finding the blessings of 
who you are now because you're awesome. No matter where you are in life, you're awesome. You just have to really take a moment and drink that in because our world doesn't teach us that. You know, like you're successful, you're beautiful. Look at the way you live your life like this. Look at how you help other people. Like we don't take that time to do that for ourselves, right? Uh, that's also interesting. I love the way that you explain that in such a digestible way, because I'm still learning about, you know, the theta healing and the emotions. And it's just so crazy to me how everything's connected. Um, how do you stay like, well, I have so many questions. I need to organize them in my head because we, Amber and I, like we talk about the collective consciousness and how like if you're aligned with the frequency of like the collective ego, collective consciousness, you can be potentially swayed by that. Um, so I'm curious, like, how, do you feel like some of our energy, like from your perspective comes from a collective consciousness or is it mostly like the repetitive things that we tell ourselves throughout our lives? I think it's both, right? Because there's collective consciousness everywhere in the world and there's a world collective consciousness and then there's your local, right? And if you were raised somewhere else, you have that consciousness as part of you. And if you've moved around, you have all these different components of group consciousness and they do play a role. They hit you like a wave. I don't know if you guys have noticed that, but what I do is like, is this mine or is this group consciousness? Do I want to participate in this? Is this going to help me? Is this going to help humanity if I participate in this thought process of group consciousness? We are in contrast. Earth is really cool like that, like hot, cold, sweet, sour, chocolate, vanilla. But emotionally, we're in contrast as well, right? And I believe that through this kind of work, what we're, what we're doing is we're looking at the contrast of the wound and the virtue. And then we're claiming the virtue and we're letting go of the wound. And the more that we do that, the more we come out of contrast and the more we're one with spirit and we make a different impact here with group consciousness and the planet. I don't want to take over, but I have another question. <laughs> I'm like looking at Amber like, are you going to have anything like, to just, say? Just go. I was looking at Shay like, she's like, I was like, just <laughs> I know. I get so excited to talk to you, Rochelle. I feel like I always have questions. I'm always like so intrigued and fascinated by your intuition and like the things that you know. And when you look into the body, it just like resonates. I'm like so happy to be in your class because it resonates so much with what I do. It's like my little missing piece. But what I think is is kind of cool and I'm curious your opinion on this. Amber and I talked about this a little bit in our 21 day challenge that we just did where it feels like sometimes people hold themselves back because they believe in order to do healing or shifting, like you have to have a certification. And I love that you like came into this and were like, I got this from God, like God told me I was going to do it. And this is what I'm doing. And I really feel like that's what happened to me. I never went to classes. I never did anything. I just kind of was like born knowing that I had this intuitive ability. So and that's not to say like don't take classes and grow and learn and everything of course I'm taking your class I'm taking I'm like a serial class taker actually I have so many that are like at 20% right now um so I love classes but what would you say to someone that's like figuring out their intuitive gifts that might have that block of like oh I don't feel like I can shift this for my horse or myself because I don't know what I'm doing or you know like I I haven't learned enough or you get what I'm saying so the first thing I'd say is trust yourself. Intuition is that soft whisper. It comes immediately. It's the first thing that comes through your body and through your intuition. Trust it. It's the ego that comes in there and starts shouting and telling you you're wrong or what if this happens or creates fear and doubt. Um, the other thing is be with like-minded people. Like if you know you were born with this gift of healing and you're not sure how to do it or how to access it or if you're doing it right and you you're not really drawn to classes I would say find groups of people meet up or go to rocks and crystal stores go to psychic fairs you know go go to yoga go to places where you might find like-minded people that are open to this or create your own group and invite other people in where you can talk about 
your gifts and your experiences and they can share theirs and you can start to build community and practice things together as well. If you're doing this work and you haven't had training, be gentle. Just be gentle with yourself. And if you're working with animals or the earth or people, be gentle and know that it's okay for you to be wrong. <laughs> That's so important is it's okay to be wrong because if you're okay with being wrong, it means you're not in your ego. If you're in your ego, you're never going to receive the full truth. So in my sessions, I even say that to people like I could be wrong, but here's what I'm getting. <laughs> I say it all the time because I could be wrong. I don't want to be wrong, but if I'm wrong, it's okay. I can just brush it off and then move to what's next. So don't get stuck on having to be perfect or have to do it just right. Be okay with being wrong. Learn what that feels like in your body when you get an intuitive answer wrong and learn what it feels like when you get one right. And then you'll know the more you're getting intuitive information if you're on track with what you're getting. Yeah, this is so perfect because we just had this conversation yesterday with, we had our final call with our um, the vision quest that we did and that was something that was talked about a lot of people knowing the difference between their intuition and versus then I started to argue and have these conversations in my head. And I had told them, well, the moment you told me the intuition is fast and it's immediate. So pay attention to that first thing. It really did change everything for me because I pay attention now and I, and I don't second guess as much. And in the beginning you said of this conversation, you had said, trust the first hit that you get in whatever is your strongest psychic sense. So I think that is always a conversation I like having because I think people being able to identify what that is for them so that they can actually pay attention. So um, what is the best way that you could tell or explain to somebody how to figure out to that for themselves? How they're receiving intuitive information. I yeah. usually run people through a really quick meditation. Also, I view their psychic senses and, and see what's opened in their psychic senses because we have three in our head, unless you want to count smell and taste because those could be psychic senses too. And then, you know, one in our solar plexus, our gift of empathy. So I like to see what's open for them. And then I can sense what's stronger for them. And then you can also help them start to open the ones that aren't open. Usually they're closed because of fear. And usually it's past life stuff or really early childhood trauma of seeing like ancestors or ghosts or even darker stuff like demons, you know, when you're a kid, like I know, you know, monsters aren't real, but kids are so open that they can see so much more than a lot of adults who aren't intuitive. Um, but you can take people through a meditation where you're kind of, um, putting them through things they could see and hear and feel and know like something familiar, like taking them to the beach and feeling the wind and seeing the sunset, hearing the seagulls, things like that. And then when you finish the meditation, you ask, did you feel that the most? Did you see it? Did you know it? Did you hear it the most? And most people are like, oh my God, I totally heard it the most, or I felt I could, you know, and I'm like, that's your strongest psychic sense and lean into that. Something's coming through right now for everyone who is an empath, like that um, there's a little bit of like, but I'm so empathetic and it kind of hurts to have that much empathy. I want you to know it's one of the raddest psychic senses. They're all, they're all rad in their own way. Don't be afraid to feel, just practice not leaving it in your body. If you're feeling it, let it pass through you. If that makes sense for all those empaths out there. That was for me because <laughs> as soon as you said that empathy is in our, our solar plexus, I was like, no, no, I like, I hate having an open solar plexus. I know I've been telling myself all week that I think I have empathy, but I'm afraid to have empathy. And it has caused me a lifetime of digestive issues because I don't know how to process it. So that is wild that you just picked that up because as soon as you were like, and our stomach, the gift of empathy, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's not okay to feel. <laughs> so, okay. Practice getting it out of my body. That's great to hear because I literally wrote that. I literally wrote down when you said that need to do a solar plexus meditation. <laughs> because everything in my body shut down as soon as you said that so that is that's so crazy <laughs> yeah let it flow right instead of shutting down 
let it flow, let it flow through you. Even your, your, um, if we could change the words around it a little bit, you're like, get it out of my body. Like, that's even a bad thing that you have to like, Oh, get it off, get it off. You know, instead it's just like the information flows through you. Like your cloud just sweeps through you and your sensory picks up on it and you get the information and then just let you let it go. We had a question um, in one of our calls, I can't remember where it was. It might've been the tea house about that piece of being able to protect, but even sort of saying that makes it feel like, Oh, I have to protect myself from other people's energy. So that allowing the flow through, like I can pick up on it and then I can release it. It feels better than how do I protect myself? You know what I mean? Is, is there something that you, that you teach that differentiate between the two like how do you soften that for people if you do you mean like protection versus flowing through yeah okay so protective cone for everybody watching this (laughs) i went through um several years of learning about non-physical energy you know ghosts or waywards whatever you want to call it fallen angels like and it scared me. It was scary work. I did not love it. And God kept sending it to me. And I'm like, I don't love this. <laughs> Stop sending this to me. I don't like dealing with this. And I had people calling me who actually literally had been possessed. Like a woman called me who was a professor at a college. Her husband called me. She's like, she needs you. She's saying she's possessed. And, and she was. So I had to face things that really did scare me. Um, for a long time until he didn't scare me anymore. And I think that was the lesson that God had in it for me is like, don't be afraid, you know, and and I'm going to get hopefully not political for people out there. But even when COVID came before it went really, really huge, the message was don't be afraid. And I really feel like it's the fear that pulls us down and, t- and knocks our frequency off and, and can make us sick and block our intuition and s- keep us out of our power, so on and so forth. So initially, if you're starting out in this work and you feel like you're dealing with like non-physical energy, that's not angelic or your guides or things like that, there's a lesson in it for you. And I would say, while you're in that class, protect yourself, you know, wear oils that help strengthen your field, like lemongrass, burn sage, use protective crystals, rinse off in the light, you know, after each session, things like that. But do your best to not be afraid because honestly, those energies, they know they're also your teacher. And if you can meet them like that, thank you for teaching me. And this is what you taught me, how to not be afraid. I mean, that's a huge lesson, right? I'm grateful. If we can have that approach, you'll find that you need less and less protection. So, and then sometimes I'll be out in the world or there'll be a client that I've never worked with. And I can, I get the message like put on, put on some extra oils today, burn some sage today, just listening to spirit. Right. But most of the time I don't walk around going, protect me, protect me, protect me. (laughs) But I used to. (laughs) Yeah. And is it like the same thing for people that are a little bit more empathetic or feel like I want to be open to receive, but then I'm worried that people um, are going to sense that and they're going to attach their energy to me and kind of take from me like that line of, you know, um, <laughs> the line of being too open, but also wanting to receive <laughs> like for those people that are like, well, how do I exist in a world where I'm trying to keep my heart open and stay loving and stay XYZ, but also, you know, not be drained and not get taken advantage of. So I would say it's actually belief work in that case. So if you're, um, you're being taken advantage of, you are working on setting boundaries and saying no, respecting yourself, saying no without feeling guilty, not living your life with obligation. So if you get all that dialed in your own, you know, in your own spirit, in your body, you won't feel like that anymore as an empath. It really is like, like my sister, I love her so much and she doesn't ask for that much help from me. And she's a foster parent and she just got a new foster child. And she said, can you, can you scan her? I think there's something wrong with her eye. And I paused and I said, you know what? I can't, I'm just psychically burnt out and let's do it during my work week. Now that was huge. I was easy to do, right? But there was a time where I would have just done it anyways 
at my own risk of my own health, <laughs> you know? And so it's, I think, learning to set those boundaries so that you're not allowing anyone to use you, even if they don't mean to, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's big. I feel like I have had so many lessons in that. And that's one of the biggest gifts that I've gotten from you and Amber is just like seeing the virtues and everything. I feel like, and I teach this to my animal communication students is like, all you have to do to get into a space of like higher awareness is like, go to that gratitude, gratitude for what's ailing you or what's ailing your animal. And like, what can we find is beneficial in this? I feel like that has been so helpful in my own life and in my own practice. And it's just amazing how gratitude and, and looking at things from the perspective of what is this teaching me in all aspects of life is just so freaking cool because it helps you release resistance right away. And like, if you can find like the positive in the you know, resistance in the moment, it's wild how it shifts everything for you. Yeah, I feel like one of the biggest learnings that I've taken away from, did you need your testimonial right now? We'll write this down. (laughs) One of the biggest learnings that I've taken away from learning from Rochelle is that I've moved out of victimhood. You know, there was this space of I always felt like why the question that I would continuously ask myself before I really went into this work and understanding this was, why is this happening to me? You know, and it's like, why does this keep happening to me? I don't understand. I'm being, you know, I'm doing this and that. And I feel like I'm a good person, quote, air quotes for listeners. (laughs) Um, And I just continued to stay in this, like, I'm not looking for the why. I just wanted to stay stuck in, you know, in that space because that, allowed me to stay a stay with what was familiar you know and that's what I didn't understand I was reaching for but then after I started to understand and ask better questions like oh what is this teaching me so I can be done with this damn lesson (laughs) that I realized oh I don't have to continue to live in this cycle I can actually release it once I slow down and go wait I have so much more control over my experience than I have given myself credit for, but it does require you to not only understand that and look for the answers, but the integration process, the actually knowing it, understanding it. But then when those moments come up, like for you guys talking about, you know, setting those boundaries, actually doing it, which is seems like the part that I've just finally <laughs> been able to implement. I've been doing this for a while and I'm also not young. So it's like, oh, I actually have to make the decision to do it differently for that to shift. (laughs) So that piece was like the like where I really felt like, oh, I finally am in a space where I fully am embracing having my power back. Like I am in control. Even if shitty stuff happens, I can pause and go, wait, I'm not going to get sucked into this vacuum of like, oh, poor me, even though the situations are hard and tough. I can acknowledge, wow, this is really freaking hard. And maybe it shouldn't, quotes again, have happened to me, but then recognizing it is happening to me, right? That is the reality of this. It's happening to me. What am I needing to learn through this, right? So that's been the biggest gift, I think, working with you through for all these years has come for me is this freedom of like, oh, hold on. <laughs> you can move through it so much easier if you understand what it is you're learning. And it doesn't mean that what you're going through is easy. I mean, it is having an impact or else you wouldn't be growing, right? But the cool thing is that as you, like, I, I like to stick with resentment because so many people have it, <laughs> whether it's they resent doing laundry or they resent a person or whatever, you know, um, resentment is a call to action. It's your soul is saying, stand up for yourself or make time for yourself or your soul's calling you into some virtuous action. And through the work that we're doing, it's arriving the action knowledge. Oh, it you're standing up for yourself. You're in your power. You're respecting yourself. It's just automatic. You don't even think about it. Like the words just come out and you're like, gosh, almost my brain was thinking something different, but my cells of my body were like, no, this is how this is going to play out, you know? Yeah. So good. Well, Shaylee, do you have anything else that you want to, I mean, I know there's other things, but <laughs> for time purposes, is there anything else? I know. That- 
There's so many other things, but I wrote down resentment is a call to action because the resentment piece is what Rochelle's been helping me with a lot, actually. And it's so wild how like, I feel like resentment is such a little blanket and it's got all these little legs down and it's like, okay, from this resentment comes this, 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 and this. And I think um, something I've learned from both of you too, is just getting super curious instead of going to like, I guess, I guess like not going so deep into the emotion that you like truly become it, but rather being curious and being like, okay, why is this coming up for me? And, and yeah, that's just such a big piece. I never realized how big the community would like how much of an impact that community was for me, but it's just so funny when I, Amber and I will spiral together, but separately. So I'll spiral on Tuesday and then she can have Wednesday and then I can have Thursday and we like message each other and I'm like, Oh God, like I'm going to the vet. And I was just telling her, speaking of resentment yesterday, how I was like, I haven't been to the doctor in like five years and I have to take my dog to the vet tomorrow. And I feel like I'm always at the freaking vet. And I'm like, it brings up so much. I'm like, I want to sell her on the black market. Like so much resentment. And I'm like, this has got to be teaching me something because like, why are my animals falling apart? And it's just so funny how, why is it actually just one little brief question before we wrap up? Why do you think, or do you even think that when it comes to our animals, we get so emotionally wrapped up in this sense of like responsibilities because is it the unknown of them not having like a quote voice or it's just so interesting because I guess it's parents with really young children too can get into a panic mode and why is it that like we do that with our animals and when it's us or when it's like another adult you're like oh like if, if Amber came to me tomorrow and was like man, I have the flu. I've been throwing up all night. I'm like, oh, that sucks. Like, good luck, buddy. Like take some Advil or, you know, whatever. But if she was like, Rocco's like throwing up or what, I'd be like, hold on, let me connect to him. Let me help you figure that out. So why is it that our animals like bring so much of that up for, uh, I mean, maybe it's just Amber and I, but I don't think so. I feel like it's our whole community that gets up in arms about our animals. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really good question. And to answer that, I'd have to tune into the why. But I can, I even do it with my, my cat. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I freak out and my, almost like my psychic senses shut down and I can't read them or, you know, I put so much pressure on myself. It's, I get it. So let's just ask God, like, why, what, what is that about? I hear taking responsibility of too much of which is not yours. That's like, that's the God phrase. So it's that responsibility piece being overly responsible instead of just being neutral about the um, the end result. Okay, something's wrong with my animal. And I think that often we go life or death. Is my animal going to die? You know, and automatically that puts so much pressure on you to get the answer right that it shuts you down. So when you're reading your own animals, like however this works out is how it's going to work out. I just want to see the truth. And then you're not feeling responsible life or death for that animal. That's how it came through. So. Wow. That's so true. I do feel like we go to like worst case scenario. We're like, they're going to die. Yeah. And I love the fact that you had said once that amount of pressure comes over you, then everything shuts down and you can't get the answers anyways. And me and Shaylee just talked about, we're about to do this well, for the people that are listening now, it won't be relevant, but we're about to do a workshop. Um, and we had, we're trying to find, you know, kind of like the roadmap or the framework. And we had a general intention and idea of what we're going to teach. And she's taking her dog to the vet. And I just had an experience with Rocco where I sat in the vet hospital in the middle of the night. So there's nobody there for me to focus on. There's nothing for me to look at. <laughs> there's, there's no Wi-Fi. So I'm sitting there with my feelings <laughs> and Luna. And I'm like, well, I guess it's time to dive in <laughs> to all the things that are coming up for me right now. And it did have to come down to, I have to be okay. If he transitions right now, I have to, I worked on money issues. The money will come. I have, the, I actually have the money saved, you know, but that my nervous system hadn't caught up to oh, no matter what happens, I can pay for it right now. Right. And and then I had to go to, okay, but what if he doesn't make it? He doesn't make it. He doesn't, this is, was his time to, it's like, I had to work through all of these things, 
But actually, I can say for the first time in my entire life in one of those situations, I never got really so far sucked in that I couldn't think straight, which I think is a testament to like doing the work, and which is why I told Shaley, I was like, well, you know, because we're about to teach this stuff that you're going to have to go through it. So don't act surprised. Like, this is what happens. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So are we wrapping up? Shaley is good. We might have to do another podcast. (laughs) Feeling a second podcast coming on because there's so many more things that we're going to need to dive into, but we will wrap up for this particular podcast. Um, So for anybody out there listening and they want to work with you in any way, I know you do one-on-one sessions and you also have some kind of entry level courses that you offer. Do you want to share how they could find these or speak specifically to any one of them that you're feeling called to? Sure. So you can easily find me at rochellestanley.com and it will give you a general idea of the work that I do. And then I've developed some online courses through Kajabi and I can send Amber some links to send to you guys. Um, I'm offering some foundational medical intuitive stuff. So you'll build your foundations for scanning and entering the unified field and scanning the light body and understanding emotions and things like that. And then you'll work with four body systems. If you already feel pretty skilled, then you could do the mastery level of unlocking your medical intuitive. I'm also offering um, your radiant reproductive health for women, which is a really cool program. I'm excited about that. It will be the foundations of the medical intuitive course with a focus on the breast, the cervix, the uterus, things like that. And the beliefs, the emotions that go through it and how that plays out through the health of our reproductive system. And a few other things that are fun on Kajabi, but yeah. I love everything that you do so much. I'm so happy I know you. (laughs) (laughs) you. I'm happy I know you guys too. No, you're probably the most talked or spoken name between me and Shaylee in our podcast and our membership everywhere. Well, Rochelle, and you're always my go-to if I don't know how to help somebody. I'm like, you should just reach out to Rochelle. So thank you for hanging out with us and thank you for doing what you do. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me and believing in me and until we meet again. Thanks (laughs) to your community too.